Well, thankful you've made it to this portion of our service this morning. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, you should go grab a Bible so you can follow along today. We'll be in John chapter 4. You know, this sermon we actually, uh, actually worked on and, and wrote before this ever really became a, a possibility. And so in God's providence, we're covering this text, dealing with the question, what does it mean to look, to labor, and to harvest in this season of our lives? You probably have a little bit more food stored up right now than you normally would. Uh, when I think of food, I think of the grandma treatment, the grandmother treatment. Uh, meaning, uh, I don't know about you, but my grandmother would, would feed us like as five-year-olds, like we were professional offensive linemen. We would eat uh, so much. Uh, and she was always concerned, are we eating enough? Well, we come to a text in John chapter 4, if you remember, Jesus back in verse 6 said that he was hungry and he was weary from the journey and the teaching and everything that he was doing. So even though they came to some, uh, in this area uh, of Samaria, they come to Jacob's well. He stays there and the disciples leave and go into the city to get him some food. And it was in that time that we saw what, Jim, uh, what, what uh, Ben preached on last week. John chapter 4, verse 1 through 30. Uh, and in that interaction that he has with the Samaritan woman, the disciples the whole time have been gathering up food for him in the city. So what's happened is now they've traded places. The Samaritan woman is Walking away, the disciples are walking close to bring food to their, uh, the one who's discipling them, Jesus. And what's going to take place today is Jesus is such a good teacher that He's not just going to tell them what their mission ought to be. He's not just going to tell us what we ought to be doing in this season of looking and laboring and harvesting. But He's going to show them exactly what that looks like uh, in the life of the Samaritan woman and how she did the same thing, uh, looking, laboring, and harvesting. So that's my prayer for us this morning, that we would wrestle very seriously and ask God in this unique season, this unique opportunity that He has given us as a church family to look and to labor and to harvest, how to care for our neighbors, how to see them, how to see others around us, see those in need, how to pursue them and labor and want to give them the gospel and tell them about Jesus and show them the reason we're hopeful, uh, even in seasons of perhaps a little bit of, of franticness in our culture, that we have faith and we have hope because we know Jesus. So that's the beauty that we have this morning to look at. So open your Bibles to John chapter 4, verse 31 through 38. And I'll read this first portion for us as we note that, that, that Jesus tells his disciples of the heavenly way, the heavenly way looking, laboring, and harvesting. So the ESV reads like this. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? So he gives us common agricultural parable. Already the one, and then he gives this statement then, look, I tell you, lift up your eyes, see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you, speaking to the disciples, I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their rest. Ben noted for us last week that the Samaritan woman was thinking in earthly terms. 
The scriptures already made clear that the one who is from above, the one who is from heaven, Jesus, the eternal son who's taken on flesh and dwelt among us, fully God, fully man, that he understands the heavenly ways, the better ways. He's above all. The Samaritan woman being of the earth, she only perceived the things of the earth. Are you giving me water to drink, physical water only? And when Jesus offered her living water, now the disciples do the same thing. They're coming and wondering, how is Jesus possibly full? Is it, is it, is it possible as we brought him the food, we went in to gather all this for him because they loved him and they love him and they want to serve him. But they're thinking only of his physical needs. Jesus is speaking about a food that he eats that they do not know of. He's referencing Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3 says, And, and he humbled you. And let you hunger and, and, and fed you with manna, this is Moses speaking to Israel, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Listen, nobody lived by the word of the Lord and doing the will of the Lord more than Jesus. Jesus perfectly did the will of the Father. And this is the beauty that all who have that come to Jesus is that in Christ, Jesus sees you and he sees me as those who are forgiven, those who have been adopted, those who are pure, as though we lived our whole lives doing the will of the Father perfectly, the one from above. Now, none of us have done that on our own, not even close, but Jesus did so perfectly. And this is why it's important to believe on Jesus, to know Jesus is in him we have forgiveness, and it's Him we have adoption. It's Him we have relationship and fellowship with God and new life. We have hope in all seasons of life, and it's in seasons like this that we have a confidence uh, with faith in our God, the great triune God who's made Himself known in the person of Christ, the great triune God who, uh, by love and grace, that we would have the Spirit. He abides in us. We have communion with God because we believe in Jesus. That's good news for us. And then that's the will. That's what filled Jesus up. He always did the will of the Father. So he quotes those two sayings. He says, listen, you, you earthly people, even though Jesus is fully God, fully man, he's speaking to the disciples and he says, you, you earthly people, you have a common saying. He uses this agricultural saying. There are four months then come the harvest. Now, some of you are farmers, come from a, grew up on a farm. You know this way better than I do. But the idea is you worked hard and, and then you waited for the payoff, the harvest. Jesus, the heavenly one, sets his disciples and he sets those in the agricultural context straight. Just imagine it with me for a moment. Imagine they're outside of the city. Perhaps they're in a field where this metaphor really, really strikes very, very appropriately. Now, perhaps today in a college town, we might say something like this. You know, don't you, as a college student, work hard for your grades? You study and you prepare. And in four months from now, at the end of the semester, you get a reward. You get a, another set of credits. You, by God's grace, you get to graduate. Now, by the way, I want to encourage you SFA students, don't get too comfortable online watching these things. Make sure we got a spot for you still here back in Nacogdoches. So don't get, don't get comfortable taking online classes uh, back in your hometown. This is where you belong. Uh, but that example that Jesus gives, he says, listen, that's not true for heavenly things. And the reality is you get to labor and you get to harvest. You get to labor and you get to harvest. 
Jesus then gives us this understanding in a, in a greater way. He, gives that, he breaks it down to three components. Look, labor, and harvest. Look. What's that mean, the first idea of look? It means the NAS translates it as behold. Look. Meaning take, take a moment, stop what you're doing, and look around. Perceive. Now some have argued, I don't know that's true, but some have argued that the idea is maybe perhaps those from the city were coming out, the Samaritan woman have already engaged, and maybe they were coming out, and, and Jesus could literally look around and say, look, as fruit of what He had done. And laboring and harvesting and looking at the Samaritan woman when many in that culture would not. He looked at her. You remember what Ben said last week? He noted that the Samaritan people were kind of viewed as half-breeds with the Jewish people. They were kind of seen as a lower class, a lower standing, That so much so that when the disciples walked up on Jesus, they're, they're wondering, what in the world is going on here in this interaction? This, this isn't common. It's not common for, for Jews to see them. And Jesus even establishes some of that. He points out that, that the, the salvation is from the Jews, not the Samaritans. But Jesus doesn't let that keep him from seeing her. A church family, we've got to make sure we take the heavenly perspective. We cannot allow the bigotries of the world, we can't allow the prejudices of the world to keep us from looking around and seeing people. What does that mean for us in a, in a time like this? Well, it means that we need to be willing to look around. You may or may not have some more time on your hands. You may or may not be a little more cautious with your health. But one of the realities in how God has worked through history is in times of crises, when common man, earthly people, are forced to think about their own mortality. I promise you this, your neighbors, your co-workers, your classmates have thought about their mortality this week. And they will in the days to come. What's that mean for us? It shouldn't mean that we look around and we minimize risk or we maximize risk. It should mean that we as believers look at the eternal things. The reality that people, as Ben said last week, are thirsty for living water. They're thirsty for Jesus. They need Jesus. But here's the deal. We won't reach out to people unless we first see them how the Lord sees them. As people that need a drink, they need Jesus. But we'll never labor where we don't first look and see there's work to do. So we want to look, and we also want to labor and harvest. Look, labor, and harvest. And we put labor and harvest actually together. Labor and harvest. Remember he corrected that parable? He said some people go around, and, and the common saying agriculturally is you work, and then you wait four months, and then the harvest. Jesus says, now listen, you labor and you harvest. And what was taking place in this scene is that there was a huge harvest, meaning there were a multitude of people coming to believe in Jesus. It began with that Samaritan woman. And it will, as we'll see the story develop, it will go to all the people in the town that she shares with. Many of them will be harvested. They'll come to believe. And then they'll go and they'll look around and labor and harvest many more people who will come to believe. Labor. What's it mean to labor? What's it mean to, for you to labor right now in your home? the gospel message, to share that. I, I don't think there's an accident that we spent last week in Palestine, not Palestine, Palestine. We spent uh, two days there, about now a little over 24 hours in a men's retreat. And in that time, men, if you remember, we spent time talking about family worship. Stephen Powell, our worship pastor, led a great training on what it means to take ownership and responsibility of the blessing 
of helping to lead our homes and family worship. These three little components that form massive foundations to build a life upon. What's that mean? Three parts. Read. Read God's Word. Second, pray. Pray God's Word. Pray your requests. And third, sing. Sing. Read, pray, sing. Hopefully this morning, this will provide a bit of a tool for you to be a jump started. In that pattern of we, we read Scripture, we pray to the Lord together, and we sing to the Lord together. Even funny little songs together. So, labor in the context of your home and labor in other places. Look around and labor the gospel. Pray for opportunities to, and boldness to take conversations toward heavenly things, eternal things. That's the good news that God allows us to labor and to harvest. See, the disciples never labored the gospel even though they were in the city. They were in the city getting physical food. They were going to be able to harvest a spiritual harvest. They were going to be able to see a multitude of those same people they were rubbing shoulders with a few minutes ago, a few hours ago. They were going to see those people come to believe in Jesus even though the disciples never labored the gospel toward them. By God's grace, they came to believe in Jesus. So, uh, church family, the season of our life in this time of our nation is to look around, to labor the gospel, and by God's grace, to see a harvest. So we want to pray, God, would you bring a multitude of people to salvation? God, would you give us boldness to love people and to serve people? Text a neighbor. Take time today. Pray for your neighbors. Text them. Call them especially those that are elderly. What a way to pursue and to serve them. And pray for our medical staff. Pray for those who are in hospitals all over the country who are exhausted. Pray for them, serve them, see them. What a blessing that God gives us in this three components of looking and laboring and in harvesting. So Jesus is such a great teacher. He doesn't only tell them this, He shows them this. Look at this in verse 39 through 42. Jesus shows His disciples the heavenly way of what it means to look, to labor, and to harvest. He tells them, and then He shows them. Watch this, verse 39 through 42. Many Samaritans from that town, the town that the disciples were in just a moment ago getting food for Jesus, many disciples from that town believed in Him, believed in Jesus. Why? Because of the woman's testimony. He told me, all that I ever did. That's what she told him. She came to the town and told these people. Jesus told her of all that she ever did. He knew her with an intimate knowledge. Verse 40, So when the Samaritans came to him, they had to come out and see this man. They asked Jesus to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Two days. Jesus didn't just see the people. He stayed with the people. Two days. What a gracious patient Savior we serve. Two days He stayed with them, verse 41, and many more believed because of His Word. Verse 42, they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we've heard for ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. See, who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say that Jesus is? Is He your Savior? Have you confessed your sins? Have you trusted in Him? Have you abided in Him? Is He your value and identity? 
Church family, you are the beloved because of Jesus. You've trusted in Jesus. You are the beloved. What love and good news we know in Christ. But Jesus loves His disciples and He shows them. He doesn't just tell them, He shows them. Looking, laboring, and harvesting. Looking, laboring, and harvesting. Here's how He shows it in three ways. First, He, he demonstrates it by the Samaritan woman. He saw the Samaritan woman, the one that others didn't want to see. She was probably shamed out in the culture. She, has five, she had five husbands, one she's with, not even her husband. He sees her. He labored the gospel among her, as Ben showed us last week. And he reaped a harvest. She came to believe. And then what did she do? She went into the city, a city of which many of whom probably had shamed her. But she still chose to go in and to look at them. Isn't that amazing? She looked at them. Now, she didn't have a, a doctorate degree in theology, but she knew doctor of salvation. She knew Jesus. And she told him all that she knew. And that was that he told her all that she ever did. And behold, this is the Messiah. She labored the gospel among them. And she saw a harvest. It said that many of them, by her testimony, they believed. So they come out and they see Jesus. And they ask Jesus, Jesus, will you stay with us? He stayed with them for two days. And what did they do? They looked around at other people in the town. They invited them. And there and labored the gospel among them, the good news of who Jesus is, the true hope, not by works, but by belief in Jesus alone. And by God's grace, they even saw a harvest. So we're talking about in two days, maybe three days, we would see a three-generation spiritual harvest. The Samaritan woman, the townspeople, and then the townspeople that the townspeople told. That's how good our God is. Now, i got to have you flip to a text. Would you turn over in your Bibles to Acts chapter 8? Look to Acts chapter 8. A little bit earlier, Miss Jenny and Mr. John told us about Stephen. Stephen, what a great and godly man. Matter of fact, one of our elders, Gene, he's, one of his, he's his favorite story in all Scripture. He loves him. But right after that story, in Acts chapter 8, those same people that were around, the very next text, I want to look at Acts chapter 8 and look what happened. But remember this story we just had. Remember those townspeople, this area of Samaria and Sychar, somewhere right in that area. The story picks up now, finally, back in this area. And listen to this, this area where the gospel was labored by Jesus and then by the Samaritan woman. Look what happens. Listen to this. Acts chapter 8, verse 1 through 8. And Saul approved of his execution, of Stephen's execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Now, devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. They cried out, they were groaning, their hearts were broken. But Saul was ravaging the church. And entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. What a crisis we have never known. Now, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. 
Philip went down to the city of Samaria. That could be our city we just discussed about, the Samaritan woman city, or somewhere in the region. He went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And look what happens in verse 6. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and, and, and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. And scroll down to verse 12. Many believed on Jesus and were baptized. Friends, we know that Philip went down to that city and many believed, but it's very likely that those people would have also been labored among the gospel. Back from the Samaritan woman, the townspeople, and the other townspeople. Never underestimate what the Lord can do and is doing in the hearts of those around you. Those who the Lord have already labored in by the faithful witness of people like you. This is the gift that God calls us in this season of life. Labor the gospel. Pray for others, but labor the gospel and by God's grace, be expectant for harvest. We believe that He can do that in this time and in this season in ways we've never seen before. So next steps. What are our next steps? Well, we need to ask God to give us fresh eyes in our community and and isn't it kind of God to give us fresh eyes? I think all of us are gaining fresh eyes because of this season that our country is in. So think through your week. Where has God divinely placed you in this season to have fresh eyes? Well, he's placed you in your home. He's placed you in your place of work. You know, Grace has often had, uh, I've been so encouraged by the faith of so many believers since I've been here that even while they're in the hospital, they're aiming to be a witness for the Lord while in the hospital, encouraging nurses, being joyful, reading Scripture, looking for opportunities, and, and even blessing those that come to visit them. So what an opportunity to look around wherever God would have you today and this week. God, would you give us fresh eyes, as He's, I believe, doing in a divine way across this entire nation at this season. Secondly, we... How will I more strategically use my time and energy to obtain and join God in, his, in this satisfying labor? So God, give me fresh eyes to look, but also help me to labor, to labor the gospel, to spend time in family worship with your family, to pursue your spouse, to pursue your friends, to pursue the Lord in this season. How will I labor the gospel? How will I pray that God will give me boldness to go and share the gospel with others and good news to know Him? So labor, use your energy and time to labor heavenly things, heavenly things through earthly efforts. That's the great purpose that God gives us and great hope and peace that He gives us in our Lord Jesus Christ. Look, labor, and harvest. The third idea, pray for a harvest, that God would produce a harvest. That we would not only pray that God would keep us healthy and heal those who are sick, but that God would produce an eternal spiritual harvest through this season. We know that He's more than able. God is good. He's faithful. He's just. Our God is in the heavens. He does whatever He pleases. And that is the greatest peace that we can know. We know Jesus. I want to encourage you as well. 
If you have needs that come up, come about this week or in the coming days, you can email us at, at grace uh, at elders at gracebiblechurch.com. Uh, you can also call us at the church office if there's a way that we can serve you additionally uh, to prayer. Uh, but we love you and we're joyed to be of the same church family together. Grace Bible, you are beloved. Go in grace.